Well, folks, we're so glad that you're here on this uh, hot, sunny Sunday, and I'm so pleased that you're not at the beach. But you can go after the service if you want. That's fine with me, but I'm glad you're here now. We are uh, in the midst of a brand new series just starting today. And before I go any further, I got to tell you, um, I don't know if anybody else is struggling with a cold. Anybody else like that? So if I pass out and can't finish the message, I'm going to get Pastor Blake up here to finish off for me. Just, just putting you on, on, on warning. Or, or Jimmy, you can do it. Whatever, whoever wants to do it can come up here. But uh, we're looking at, at this wonderful young woman, a godly young woman, uh, an obedient young lady who just wants to, to do the right thing. And uh, I got to tell you, reading through the story again, I've read it through many times, but every time I read it, I find something new and I'm refreshed and encouraged. And I pray that that will happen with you as well. The story begins with King Xerxes, who's the emperor of the Persian Empire, uh, which is actually now modern-day Iran. And he puts on a big banquet that lasts for 180 days. I mean, it's just staggering. Your mind can't even, you can't get your mind around a banquet that lasts for 180 days. But this man wants to show off his wealth. He wants to show off the splendor of his majesty. He wants everybody to come and see how great and how mighty he is. All his nobles, all his officials are there gathered around his table. And, and then the Bible says that after that 180-day uh, feast, he has another feast that lasts actually for seven days. And this time it's for people great and small. Everybody in Susa is invited. And while the king is is celebrating with his officials. The Bible says that he's had a bit too much wine, he's, his spirits are high, and he decides, hey, you know what? I've showed them everything I've got. I showed them how great I am. Now I gotta show them how wonderful my wife is. She's hot, everybody needs to see it. So what he does is he, he gets his servants, hey, go get my wife, go fetch my wife. Now, now you ladies here, as soon as you hear words like that, that's, that's pretty off-putting, right, isn't it? And, and, and here he is ordering the servants, go get my wife, bring her, bring her to my feast. And I want everybody to see how great and how beautiful she is. The problem is, is that Queen Vashti doesn't want to be objectified. There's no way that she's going to come and, and show off her beauty to these drunken men. Furious at her refusal to obey, the king asks his wise men, what should I do now? My wife, the queen, has humiliated me. What shall I do? I'll, let me read to you what it says here in the Bible in Esther chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, Queen Vashti, this is, this is what the, this is what the uh, officials are saying. Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also every noble and every citizen throughout your empire. Wow for refusing to come to the king's request, defended all the nobles and every citizen throughout the empire? Wow. The noblemen go on to say this, women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that Queen Vashti has refused to appear before the king. Before this day is out, the wives of all the king's nobles throughout Persia and Media will hear what the queen did and will start treating their husbands the same way. There will be no end to their contempt and anger. So, if it please the king, we suggest that you issue a written decree, a law of the Persians and Medes that cannot be revoked. 
It should order that Queen Vashti be forever banished from the presence of King Xerxes, and that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. And so this is how the story begins. It begins with the king showing off. It it begins with the queen being deposed and the search for another queen. I want you to recognize something today. If you haven't read the book of Esther yet, I would I'd like to advise you and ask you to please uh, read the book as, as soon as possible. Uh, don't start yet. To, after, wait till the service is done. But understand this. There is a message here. Now, as you read the story, it's actually very engaging. You'll have no problem reading through it. If you're not a reader, it, it'll, it'll still be interesting. You'll, you'll enjoy it. But I want you to see God's hand at work in this story. I want you to see how God works and moves in mysterious ways. And if you have served God for any length of time, then you know that, in fact, God does work and move in mysterious ways. And you could probably look back over your life and you can see the, the, the many, many ways that God has orchestrated things in your life so that you've been blessed and you've been helped and God has directed and guided you. I sometimes like to call it the choreography of the Holy Spirit. God choreographing things behind the scenes in ways that you know nothing about. And then, lo and behold, his will is done. But you have to understand that so often, before God's will is fully carried out, there's things that are happening in the background. God's moving in his own mysterious ways. And that's really what I want to talk about today. The way that God moves in mysterious ways in your life and in mine. God moves in mysterious ways in the Persian Empire by seeing to it that Vashti, the, the queen of Persia, is ousted and a new person, a new young lady, is put in her role. And the young lady that's put in the new role of queen of Persia is in fact a Jewish girl by the name of Esther. God has moved her into this, into this position for a reason. And God is about to do something extraordinary. None of the Jewish people know what it is, and Esther certainly doesn't know what it is. But we know what it is because we have the benefit of reading the story. We've got the benefit of hindsight. We recognize, if you're, if you're a Christian here today, we recognize that God works in mysterious ways in our lives. And we, if we take a look backward in our lives, we see his hand at work in our life. We see God fulfilling his purposes, his plans, in ways that we can't really even imagine. Now, I'm going to say this again. If you are a serious Christ follower today, uh, if, if you've committed your life to, to Jesus, God has you where you are right now, for a reason. Can I say that again? God has you where you are right now for your reason. God has you in the church that you're in right now for a reason. God has you in the job that you're in for a reason. He's got you in the school that you're in for a reason. God's got you in the community you're in for a reason. Maybe you're a coach. God's got you coaching the team you're coaching right now for a reason. Or if you're a volunteer, God's got you volunteering where you are right now for a reason. We recognize as Christians that we are God's agents here on earth. We often speak of the mighty host of heaven. Who is the mighty host of heaven? It's the angels. 
We, God's people, are the mighty host on earth. And so what you and I need to understand, and really this is what the book of Esther is all about, it's all about God's people aligning themselves with the will of God, prepared and willing to do whatever it is that God wants us to do. Now, the way that God does this is by exerting his sovereignty. Now, sovereignty is a word that maybe some of us are not familiar with. I discovered, in fact, that when I use that word sovereignty, a lot of people don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I'll show you that in just a moment, what, what that is. But understand that this book of Esther is all about a courageous and obedient young woman who's willing to submit to God and his will, his sovereign will. This book reveals that uh, a court official by the name of Haman has secretly plotted to destroy, to wipe out all the Jewish people in the Persian Empire. We quickly discover that this is the reason why Esther becomes queen. Now remember, when she becomes queen, she doesn't know this. In fact, the plan hasn't been hatched yet. Haman does not even know yet that he's going to try to wipe out all the Jewish people. Esther becomes queen because God knows what is to come. How many know today that God has got the ability to foresee? He foreknows the future. God knows what your future holds for you. Some of you here today are worrying about your future, but what you need to know is that God knows what your future holds, and so you don't need to worry about it. Some of you are sitting here worried today about your future, about tomorrow, about what this week holds for you. What's going to happen with my marriage? What's going to happen with my kids? What's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen about my money? And I want you to know today that God is sovereign. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing. So let's just take a quick look at the definition of sovereignty. We talk about the sovereignty of God. By the word sovereignty usually refers to the power of a sovereign or a king. Sovereignty means having supreme power. In fact, there is no greater power or authority than that which is sovereign. Sovereign means complete, full, overall. Nothing is greater, nothing is more powerful than God. I want the Spirit of God to speak to you right now. Because for some of us, we go through life worried, fretting, fearful, thinking, you know, things aren't working out right for me and my life is not what it should be or whatever. But what you need to know is that God loves you. He's walking with you. He's not finished with you. He's working in your life. God cares about you. And you've been praying and you've been asking God to help you and to direct you and, and to, to lead you. And I want you to know that God is in fact doing that. But what you've got to do is you've got to learn to relax and say, God, I acknowledge that you are sovereign. I acknowledge that you are the supreme power. I acknowledge there is no greater power, no greater authority than you, Lord. Now, once you begin to, to recognize and embrace this truth, it's, it's a radical game changer because suddenly faith arises in your heart and you start to recognize that whatever the devil means for evil, God will turn it around and use it for good. Joseph discovered that, didn't he? When he was thrown into a pit by his brothers and sold into slavery into Egypt. His brothers meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God used that sovereignly to get Joseph into a position so that he could, in fact, save the whole world from the famine that was about to come upon the world. Let the Spirit of God begin to minister and speak to your heart right now. God is not finished with you right, 
right now. You have to understand that. He's not finished with you yet. God is working in your life and he's working things out in a way that will, quite frankly, uh, amaze you when you look back. I, I can say that in, in my life, in my marriage, in my family. I'm amazed at the ways that God has helped me and helped my family, helped my wife. Um, but there have been difficult days. There's been, been struggles, no, no doubt about it. But looking back, I see how God was there every step of the way. Now let God speak to you and minister to your heart right now because you may be sitting here right now just wondering, God, are you there? Are you hearing my prayer? Do you actually care about me? And God's saying, yes, not only do I care about you, are you ready for this? I have a purpose for your life. There's something I want to do through you. There's something I want to do with you. The question is, are you willing to say, God, here am I, use me. God, I'm ready and I'm willing to do whatever it is that you want me to do. Whatever it is that you need me to do, I'm willing to do it. Now, if someone came along and said to you, hey, uh, Hannah, I want you to become the next queen of England. You're going to say, yes, pick me. I can, uh, I'm looking at those jewels. I'm looking at that crown. I'm looking at those fancy, that, oh, that Balmoral, Balmoral stayed up in Scotland six weeks in the summertime. Travel around the world, brand new dress every single day. It sounds like a blast. I'm going to tell you, sometimes this time it's not that sexy or that fun. It's sometimes just downright difficult. It's sometimes downright hard. But for those of you who are Christians, those of you who have given your hearts to Christ, those of you who have said, Lord, you're not just my savior, but you're my king. I'm going to do whatever you say. This is a game changer. Because now you're saying, God, I need you to work in my life. And I want to submit to your purpose and your will so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to know that God puts Esther in the role of queen of the empire because God knows what is about to happen. God knows what is going to be birthed in the heart of Haman. Haman didn't even know it yet. But Satan comes to Haman and possesses him and puts this evil idea in his heart to destroy all the Jewish people. And look at this, folks, let, let, let God just minister to your heart. God is ready. Satan does not take God by surprise. How many know that today? You may think that Satan's just outwitting God left, right, and center, but I want you to know today, God is not outwitted by Satan ever. Because only God sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Satan doesn't have that kind of power. God knew what was going to be birthed in the heart of Haman. God knew that Haman would try to destroy all the Jewish people. And so he positions Esther. He gets Esther into position. Now, this is a very important uh, principle for those of us who are Christians today. God positions us. He puts us in the place where he wants us to be so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God positions you the place where you are right now in your life is exactly where God wants you to be. And in that moment that God wants you to move to the next place, God's going to reveal it to you. He's going to show you what he wants you to do. God always puts people in positions to carry out his will on earth. 
God is never taken by surprise. God is never shocked. God never is in heaven chewing his nails, thinking, oh no, now what's going to happen? Now what am I going to do? Now how am I going to solve this problem? I don't know what I'm going to do. I better ask Alan. He's got the answers. He'll be able to tell me what to do. Don't we pray like that so often? Oh, God, we go up to God, this is what you should do, and this is how you should handle things. And God, while you're at it, do this and give to that and help this one and go there and push that one over there and push that one out and put that one in. We don't have to tell God what to do. What we need to do is learn to align ourselves with the will of God, amen? We need to say, God, what is your will on earth? And help me to do it. God, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't know what you're doing, even though I don't understand why, why me? Has anybody ever wondered that? When things go well, you probably not so much, you're not saying so much why me, you're saying this is great, I deserve it, right? McDonald's tells us that all the time, we deserve everything, everything good. You deserve a Big Mac. But when things don't go well, it's, that's when we're really saying, God, why me? Why me? Now, look, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that's never the question. It's never, why me, Lord? It's, what do you want, Lord? What do you want from me, Lord? And there's Esther in the position of queen. Esther is now in a position to have influence over the king of Persia. She's in a position to save her people. She doesn't realize it at first, but it quickly becomes obvious by the time we get to Esther chapter 4. Now, we often speak of the sovereignty of God, and like I say, it is a theological uh, term. It, it tells us who God is. It tells us of his greatness. We sometimes use the word, a word like this, omnipotence. That's a big word. It just simply means all-powerful. We'd sometimes say God is omniscient, which means he's, he knows everything. God is not subject to space or time. In other words, God, God sees the future. He knows the past. In fact, that's why he says, my name is I am. It's not I was or I will be, but I am. Get that? That's God's name, I am. He's not subject to time because he's sovereign. God is at work in ways that we can't see or even imagine. And the writer of the Psalms understood that. Look what he says here. Psalm 135, verse six. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and all their depths. This is who our God is. So today, we're giving you a simple little theology lesson. You're understanding, you're recognizing today who it is that you're serving. Your God is greater. Some people have this idea that it's God versus Satan. Sometimes Satan's winning, sometimes God's winning. I'm gonna tell you that is absolutely the wrong picture. Satan is down here somewhere. God is up here somewhere. There's the, the, it's, it's not even a fair fight. God could do this to Satan in a second. He could crush him in a second. There's a reason why he doesn't, which we'll talk about later. But understand this right now right here and right now. Your God, the God that you worship, the God that you were singing to this morning, the God that you're praying to this morning, the God that you gave your, your tithes and offerings to this morning is a God who is sovereign and in charge. And he's advancing his kingdom on the earth. How? 
through you and me. He's doing his will on the earth through you and me. Now, God knew in advance that Haman would try to destroy his chosen people, and so he has Esther positioned to save her people. And I want you just to watch now this chain of events. I want you to see how God gets Esther into that position, how he positions her. The story begins with Xerxes showing off his wealth. God is in his heaven saying, this is exactly what I want. This is great. He's being a little bit of a show-off here, a big show-off actually. And the next thing that happens is that Xerxes says, I'm going to show off my wife. And then the next thing that happens is Queen Vashti refuses to come to the king and humiliates him. Then the next thing that happens is his advisors, the king's advisors, tell him to get a new queen. And then the next thing that happens is that his, his servants are sent out to find a beautiful, beautiful virgin. And all these beautiful virgins are brought to the king for him to decide which one he wants. And in the end, Esther is chosen as his favorite. She made an impression. She was made the queen. And then we see that Haman, all of a sudden, is inspired by hell to destroy the Jews. And then we see that God has Esther in a position where he's able to save his chosen people, the Jews. Now, that's what Esther's job was. That's what God wanted to do through Esther. But let me ask you a question now. What does God want to do through you? We'll just wait till somebody says something. No, we won't do that. (laughs) What does God want to do through you? You say, Pastor, (laughs) I'm not Esther. I mean, if I had the beauty of Esther, well, then maybe God could use me. I just want to remind you of something, that God chose Esther not because she was beautiful, but there's something beautiful inside her. In fact, if you read through the story of Esther, you'll see that she was chosen, not just because of her beauty, but there's something inside of her that impressed not just the king, but all the king's advisors. She moved to the top of the list because there's an inner beauty within her. So let me ask you again. What is it that God wants to do through your life? Could it be possible that you are pursuing your own agenda rather than God's agenda? Could it be that maybe you have forgotten that as as a Christian, your first and primary role is to do God's will on earth, to say, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm reporting for duty. God chooses Esther, not just because of her outward beauty, but because of her inward beauty. And God uses her to impress the king, his servants, with her manners and her sweet attitude. More than that, God was working in the heart of Xerxes. Look at this verse from Proverbs. I love this. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. There's the sovereignty of God again. The king thinks he's making all of these, all of these pronouncements and we're going to have this law and that law and we're doing this and we're going here and we're doing that and the other thing. But Solomon says, hold on a minute. I'm a king and here's what I know. I know that my heart, 
Solomon speaking, my heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. God guides it wherever he pleases. God's doing something in your life and lives of the people around you, and, and he's, he's, it's the choreography of the Holy Spirit. He's doing his thing in ways that you don't even understand and can't begin to understand. And I'll tell you why. And you've heard this before, but I'm going to remind you again. There is a battle going on. There's a battle raging in the spiritual realm. Did you know that today? It's a battle between the kingdom of darkness, the kingdoms of this world, and the kingdom of God. And I want you to know today that Satan has hated God's people from the beginning and has tried to kill them off. He's tried to destroy them. We see it in the Garden of Eden. God created Adam and Eve, and the first thing that Satan tries to do is destroy them. He tempts them. God says, don't eat the fruit. Satan tempts them and says, oh, it'll be fine. You're not going to die. Oh, don't worry about it. That's not a big deal. Just take the fruit, and you're going to have increased knowledge. Satan didn't explain, and he never does, doesn't explain the consequences of our decisions. Because Satan doesn't care about us. In fact, Satan hates us. He hates God's creation. And more precisely, he hates God's people, God's children. And if you belong to God today, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself one of God's people, then I'm going to tell you that you certainly will be under attack by the enemy. And you know this. You've sensed it. You've felt it. He's going to try to attack your, your marriage. He's going to try to destroy your, your, your family, the relationship you have with your husband, your wife. He's going to try to destroy your finances. He's going to lead you into temptation or try to lead you into temptation. This is why we have to pray, God, lead me not into temptation. By temptation, I simply mean giving into your will versus God's will. Satan hates you and is trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy all of God's people. He's trying to destroy all the Jewish people because the Jewish people, as you may or may not know, are in fact God's chosen people. Why are they God's chosen people? Because God chooses to reveal himself to this world through his people. This is why Jesus, when he's preaching on the Sermon, the sermon on the Mount, he says to the Jewish people, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's our job. Our job is to reveal God to the world. And Satan's going to try everything in his power to shut you down, to stop you dead in your tracks. But if you're not being the salt and if you're not being the light, then Satan's thing, well, it's going to have to worry about you. I'll let you just carry on with spinning your wheels and doing what doesn't matter. I'm going after the ones who are bring, being a salt and being the light to this world. Because that's what God created us to do. We often read that passage of scripture in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you're the salt and you're the light. And we think that Jesus is speaking to Christians. He's not. Not yet. He's speaking to the Jewish people because the Jewish people are the original people of God. How many know that today? They're, they were the ones originally called to be salt and light to this dark world. Remember, folks, there is a battle raging in the spiritual realm. There's a battle against the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness of this world. 
And I'm going to tell you, every single person today who's, who calls himself or herself a Christian is called to serve in this war. They're called to advance God's kingdom. Here's what the Apostle Paul says, Ephesians 6, 12. Ready for this? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Did you see that? By the way, can you, can you just look at me for a moment? Because when I, when I talk about enemies, some people right away, people come, certain people come to mind. My mother-in-law or my, my, my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law. That's my enemy or my boss. Is that the, is that the first person that popped into your head? My boss or my neighbor. Oh, my neighbor drive me crazy. Look at, those are not your enemies. Can I just remind you, these are not your enemies. These are people that God wants you to love. Hello, but Pastor Allen, you don't know my wife. <laughs> Pastor Allen, you don't know my neighbor. You don't know, you don't know my daughter. Oh, these are not your enemies. These are people God's called you to love. In fact, God has positioned you, has put you in a position to love that son, that daughter, that husband, that wife, that boss, that friend, that neighbor. Your real enemy is not flesh and blood. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. That's what the Bible says. Against, look at this, mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. How many know today that Esther's real enemy was not Haman, it was Satan himself. Haman was just a puppet of Satan. Satan wanted to destroy the Jewish people and he found somebody who was willing to be used by him. Can we ask you a question? Are you willing to be used by God? Because there's a war raging. And some of us have gotten so distracted and so off base and we have forgotten what the real fight is. The real fight, my friends, is not a political fight. It's not a fight for rights. It's a spiritual fight. It's a fight that is in the spiritual realm against evil spirits. And I'm telling you today that God is calling every one of us to report for duty. Pastor Blake just took 21 kids to camp. And boy, those kids all had a great time. It was a really fantastic time. Sarah was one of the counselors. She reported what a wonderful time. All those kids had a wonderful time. But but Pastor Blake texted me and said he sensed a spiritual battle going on. And I, I sensed it too because I was wide awake when I got the text. And I, was, I, I found myself praying one, two, three o'clock in the morning, crying out to God for the hearts and the lives of these kids, that they would see the truth, the light of God's love. Francesca, Pastor Blake, Sarah, Nick, these were the counselors that went down to camp. They were positioned to be used by God to be a blessing to those 21 kids. Are you willing to show up for duty and say, God, here am I, use me? Are you willing to say, God, I'm willing to allow you to position me to do your will on earth as it is in heaven? Carolyn said that when she was 13, she became a Sunday school teacher. I was 14 teaching with my mom, and then I had my own class when I was 15. 
God positioned me so that I was able to start instructing these kids who were eight, nine years old. And I tell you, at 15 years of age, I had no problem with a room full of eight, nine-year-old boys. They listened to every word I had to say. Or else. No, not or else. They listened to every word I had to say. And then I became a camp counselor. And how thrilling it was when years later, began to have some of those kids say, hey, do you remember you taught me in Sunday school? Do you remember you, you were my camp counselor? Do you remember that, that I, came to, I became a Christian because of you? I, I became a follower of Christ. I'm, I'm in the ministry today. I want to say thank you, Alan. I can tell you every single time God has positioned me to do his work, to do his will, it has been the most rewarding, the most satisfying experience my entire life. If you want to experience satisfaction, fulfillment, and happiness on levels that you've never experienced before, then you need to say, God, hear my, use me. If you want me to be the next queen, I'll be glad to do that. But if, if none of those positions are open, I'm willing to do something else, Lord. I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do for your glory and for your honor. Because God, I understand there's a battle. There's a battle between your kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. And God, I know that through Jesus Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. I know that through Jesus Christ, I can do all things. I know that through Jesus Christ, nothing is impossible. I know that through Jesus Christ, my life will count. That was Esther. Man, there's a war going on for your family, for your, for your marriage. There's a war going on in our schools. Do I really need to tell you all that? Did you all know that? There's a whole new morality, if you want to call it that, that's replacing what we understand as Christian values. And it's even coming to the church. Not our church. Not yet, I hope. But it's coming to the church in North America. We have lost our way, people. There's a battle going on, and it's time now for God's people to stand up and say, God, here am I, use me. What do you need me to do? That's what Esther did. You said, Pastor, I don't really know what I have to offer. Because <laughs> I'm not as beautiful as Queen Esther. I haven't got that kind of beauty. Or maybe you do. <laughs> Pastor Allen, I don't know what, 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 I can, what I can use. Well, let's, let's stop and examine that for a moment. Maybe you're a person that's got influence. You just have a natural way with people. When you walk into a room, everybody just sort of gravitates toward you, that, that magnetic personality. Folks, that's influence, and God wants you to steward that influence for his purposes. Maybe it's affluence. Maybe you're one of those people that God is blessed with resources and finances. You know how to manage your money. You know how to make it grow. I'm going to tell you, you've got that affluence for a reason. And God wants you to use it for his glory and for his honor. Maybe you've got time on your hand. I've got lots of time passed around. I'm retired. I was able to, to retire at age 55. Please, Lord. <laughs> Carolyn O'Neill, retired from teaching in, in schools to take on a higher calling. I'm not saying that teaching in school is not a high calling, but there's even a higher calling, and that's teaching boys and girls to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say amen to that? She had the time. Maybe you're young. You've got a lot of energy. 
We need a lot of people with lots of energy. I was saying to a friend in England, he's, he's a pastor in England. I was saying to him yesterday, man, I, I, I can't do half of what I used to be able to do. He goes, Alan, you got to gather younger people around you who are full of energy. And I'd say amen to that. So if anybody's got lots of energy, just come and see me after the service. Have I got work for you? Maybe you've got certain skills, certain talents. We need you to sign up for duty. We need you to come and serve. For such a time as this. Did you hear Carolyn say that? Esther became the queen of the Persian Empire for such a time as this to save her people. Carolyn O'Neill was positioned by God to give leadership to our kids' ministry. The early part of this year, I called Blake Unger. I asked him if he would be interested in coming to serve at Cross Church. And uh, we met together, we talked, we prayed, he prayed, we shared our stories. And the next thing you know, God has positioned him to give leadership to our youth ministry. How thrilling it was to get a report that we had over 60 or 60 in attendance on, on Friday night. Absolutely thrilling. Haven't seen that for a long time. Last night, I got a text from Delson, who is our director in Burundi, Cross Church Burundi. And he said, I just want you to know, first of all, thank you for your support. We were in the middle of a crisis, but Cross Church came through in our moment of need. We sent them $5,000. And he said that with that help, he was able to, they'll be able to get to the end of the year without a problem. I got a text or an email from Sergio Bersagli, who's the director of all the Villages of Hope, at 2 o'clock in the morning. I got to talk to these people and tell them to learn Canada time. <laughs> you just want to say thank you, Cross Church, for stepping up for such a time as this. Do you see what I'm saying today? God wants to use us. But what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, here am I, use me. You've got to say, God, I'm going to stop complaining and grumbling about where I am in life right now. And I'm going to start saying, thank you, God, for where I am right now. And I'm going to say, God, use me where I am right now. Because you are where you are according to the sovereignty of God. And you might say, Pastor Allen, you don't know how difficult it is. A follower of Jesus Christ says, God, wherever I am, whatever you want, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. The Apostle Paul calls Satan the God of this world. He's got certain authority and power. But here's the good news, people. We are God's masterpiece he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Before you were born, God had a plan for your life. Does, does that send chills down anybody's spine other than mine? Before you were born, God knew you were coming into this world and he had a special work for you to do. The question is this, are you willing to say, God, here am I, use me. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. God, thank you for where I am right now. 
I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do your will. And now some of you may be worried about where you are right now, but this is such good news. You belong to God, my dear children. You belong to God. You have already, you've already won a victory over those people, those Hamans, those people who are enemies of God. You've already won a victory. It's a spiritual victory. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Let the spirit of God speak to you right now and remind you of the power that is available to all who follow Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, that the spirit of God dwells within you richly. And you have nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear. Because God wants to work in you and through you. Would you stand with me right now? You, before I pray, just tell the person beside you, God wants to work in you and through you. Tell that person beside you. 